I was looking at the calendar and I noticed that today is Pentecostal Sunday. Any Pentecostals in the house? All right, amen. I expect to have a lively, a lively group this morning. Pentecostal Sunday is the day that Jesus poured out his spirit on the church. This is the day that most people recognize that the church was born. Hallelujah. And uh, we've been praising him ever since. Now, Jesus, when he first came here, Jesus was born under humble circumstances, was he not? He came as a baby. The incarnation, he was born as a child. He was born in a barn-like atmosphere among the shepherds and the animals. He came to be a servant. He came to die for us, to be a substitutionary death, to be a ransom for many. He came so that we could live. He emptied himself of his glory. He suffered all the hurts that we hurt. He was vulnerable to the world as we are. But now that he's accomplished everything he had to on the cross, he promises that he's coming back. Yes, you can shout that out. He's coming back. But when he comes back, he's not coming back as the man of sorrows. He's not coming back as a suffering servant. When Jesus comes back, the sky is going to open up. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come out riding on a great white horse with his eyes blazing. There's going to be a sword coming out of his mouth, and he's going to be wearing a blood-spattered robe, right? And on his thigh and on his robe, it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And behind him is going to be a pack of saints. That's you all riding horses as he comes back to this earth to declare himself king. And there's going to be something going on called Armageddon, but there's not going to be any battle because that sword coming out of Jesus' mouth is the word. And all he's going to do is declare his lordship over this planet, and he is going to be wiped out. That's our future. That's our future. And here we are, us. We're kind of living in between this period of the cross and the return. And I want to ask you this morning, does it matter how we live in this period? If you'd open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at starting in verse 11, all the way down to verse 20, 25, somewhere in there. But I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll leave, I'll leave you to do that. And in this part of Luke, Luke has been documenting Jesus' journey since chapter 9, going from Galilee down to Jerusalem. And at this point in chapter 19, Jesus is in uh, uh, about to enter Jerusalem. And um, I just the town just went out of my head here. Who's got it? Jericho, thank you. Jesus just went into Jericho, and he talked to Zacchaeus, one of the most powerful men in the region, and Zacchaeus repents in a big way, big public way. 
And as Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, his disciples, they are just excited. They are excited, and so are the followers. Even the people that don't know Jesus very well, everyone is waiting in great anticipation as Jesus comes into Jerusalem because Jesus is believed to be the next king of the Jews. I mean, they're seeing incredible things. Jesus is doing healings that only God can do. I mean, he's the blind can see. Not just people that lost their sight, but people who were born blind are given sight. People who are paralyzed are able to walk. Jesus is casting out demons, commanding unseen forces. He's referring to himself as the Son of Man and the Son of God, these images, these biblical images from the Old Testament that clearly indicate that Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah. Right? I am the son of the living God. And these followers are hearing him preach, listening him to him speak with authority like no other. And as they enter in Jerusalem, you know, they read their Bible, they read their Old Testament, they're thinking, you know, Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem. And those Pharisees, those Sadducees, all those leaders you know, when he goes in there, they're going to have to they're going to have to submit to him. They're going to have to admit that this is the king of the Jews right here. And then Jesus is going to do some miracle and the Romans, they're going to have to step aside. They're going to they're going to fall away. And then the old Davidic kingdom is going to come in. And the glory of Israel under God is going to shine once more. So they're waiting, they're anticipating, they're gathering up the palm leaves and Jesus goes into town on a donkey, and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Here it is. But they're all wrong. They're wrong. That's not what's happening. Didn't turn out that way. And we look back, we, how could they have been so wrong? We look at the Old Testament, we read it, and we can see that, yes, there was going to be a kingdom, but when we hear Jesus' words describe it, it's not what they thought it was. Jesus told them before they went into Jerusalem what was going to happen. He told them several times, I'm going to be arrested, and then I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. But they didn't process that. That was something totally new that they were hearing for the first time. They had no idea what that meant. In fact, sometimes Jesus would say that, and I want you to picture this because I, I get floored. I laugh when I read this. Jesus says, hey, uh, you guys, my disciples, my close friends, my 12 closest companions, I, I'm going to die when we get to Jerusalem. I'm going to get nailed to a cross, but I'm going to rise again. And they thought about it, and they said, well, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, can I be on your left? And who's going to be on your right? I mean, what, <laughs> there's no, like, Jesus, how can we stop you from dying? Can we protect you? It's like, hey, can I have a high spot in your coming uh, organization? So, you know, well, they're just like, uh, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And sometimes I wonder about us. You know, do we get it? You know, we, we're good at reading our Bibles, aren't we? You guys, I know you. 
We read our Bibles. We, we go to church. But here, you know, in between the cross and the second coming, are, are we reading this right? You know, what, you know what's coming? You know, what, what's going to happen in the future? Do we know what our role is and how things are going to unfold? Does it matter what we're thinking and how we're living? And do we have our vision right when Jesus returns? You know, Jesus talks a lot about the future. And I think that this passage here today ties in a lot. This passage here, I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, starting in verse 11, chapter 19. Jesus, as he's exiting Jericho, said, The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent the delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. Now, what's interesting about this passage is this actually happened. One of Herod's sons, before Jesus uh, uh, was born, when Herod died, uh, his son was supposed to take over Judea, and he was so hated by the Judeans. You know, they were living under the Romans, so he could, before he could be king, you had to go to Rome to the emperor to have your kingship affirmed. So Archelaus was the name of the, of the son. He went to Rome, and they hated him so much, they sent a delegation to say, please don't make this man king over us. But it didn't work out. He was made king, and it didn't work out for the delegation. I'll put it that way. But anyway, uh, Jesus is trying to tell them and remind them as he's getting to Jerusalem, hey, uh, I'm not going to be establishing a kingdom right away. I'm going to go away. But while I'm away, I want you to be doing something, right? And what are we supposed to be doing? I mean, this should challenge your thinking. This is what I want to do this morning. Does it matter how we live while Jesus is away, while we're waiting and this is why I think Jesus puts us in here because this is the connection. This is the connection between our life today and our life in eternity. So here we are living in between. It's not like we're just going to go from here into eternity without any connection. So it's like the cross and the coming, and then there's no connection here. There is a connection here, and it's here today. It's here right now. And Jesus wants to remind us constantly, when you read the New Testament, I want you to start reading the New Testament a little differently. I want you to start looking and thinking about the coming. And when you start reading all the commands of Jesus, the imperative is not what happened at the cross. The imperative to do these things is what's coming. Okay? In the, because we are natural navel gazers, aren't we? I mean, we, we, are, we, we care about ourselves very much. I mean, you know, we, we, we love the cross. We should celebrate the cross. The cross is the biggest event in history. It's the biggest thing in my life. And it's the, it's the very center of history. And I like to go back there a lot. And sometimes I may want to lean on the cross more than I like to raise it up. And that's not healthy. Because I might 
I need to remind myself over and over, you know, God loves me. God saved me. Yes, he still loves me. Even though I mess up, he still saves me. I'm, I'm good. I'm going back to the cross when I could be out telling other people that <laughs> instead of just reminding myself I need a lot of healing. I need a lot of restoration, and that's good and right, but I'm already saved. I need to be out getting healing for other people and restoration for other people. There should be some kind of balance where we're not constantly inwardly focused and that's the trouble with some of our churches. And sometimes we fall into that where we're so focused on the inside, we got to go out. You know, if I don't get to this, I want you to know that the mission of this church is my message to you today. We are preparing to meet Jesus face to face. Okay? We are going out to save the lost, to equip the saved, and to care for the least. That's the message today. Okay, don't get lost because this is how we're preparing to meet Jesus face to face between the cross and the coming. Also, there's the issue of obedience. Now, the Bible teaches that we obey Christ not because we have to, but because we love him. Right? I don't obey Christ. The Bible is not a bunch of do's and don'ts for me that I'm forced to do. I want to do them. I want to please God with my life. But... I don't always have, like, the uh, strength to come to please God with my life. You know, I need a little help from God to do that, and I depend on the Spirit to do that. But also, my own motivation. Sometimes I want things more than I want to please God in that moment, okay? But there's something about knowing that Jesus is coming that gives me a sense of urgency. Now, if you were to be sitting in your seat right now and you get a secret message from God, I'm coming back on Saturday. Get ready. Okay? Would you be doing something different this week? Okay, would you be would you be checking your your portfolio? Huh? Would you be looking for things to pack? I don't think so. I think you'd be on the phone calling some of your loved ones. Hey, you remember that Bible story I told you? Right now, we got to talk about this right now. Jesus died for you, and he's your Savior, and you got to know him because without him, you can't make it heaven. Click. And then you're going to call your mom. Mom, you remember when we had that fight, and I walked out, and I was angry with you, and I called you, I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Yes, thank you, Mom. I love you so much. You're going to call your kids. Hey, you know what? Hey, uh, you need to forgive so-and-so. I am so sorry. Jesus is your Savior. That's what you'd be doing. You'd be clearing up accounts because Jesus is coming. Maybe you grew up in a household, you know, where your parents, you know, if you misbehave, you know, your mom would say what? Wait until your father comes home. (laughs) Right? Wait until your father comes home. There'll be judgment and punishment, right? There's something about knowing that Jesus is coming that gives us that sense of urgency, that he's going to return, okay? And he's not just going to return. Let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you don't uh, do your like uh, eschatology, you know, your future things, here's what's going to happen. And this is amazing. This is cause for celebration. If you're a believer, this is cause for great celebration. This is why we should be celebrating every day to be a a believer in Jesus, to be walking with him. Here's what's going to happen. Something terrible is going to start. It's called the tribulation. In fact, it's the great tribulation. This is 
You know, some people talk about, you know, there's war over in Ukraine. Is this the end times? Well, when the tribulation comes, you will not have any questions, is it here? Because it's going to be so awful. This is going to be like the sky is literally falling. Okay, islands being swallowed up. Okay, all kinds of worldwide, grand scale, never seen before things. Now, that's going to start. Now, there's something called the rapture. And this is the blessing. Now, whether you believe the rapture is at the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or at the end, I tend to think it's the beginning. Okay? So I believe that when the tribulation, just before it begins, every believer is going to be swept up into the sky. Jesus is going to collect his church. We are going to be taken up. All of us, we are going to be gathered to be with Christ on that day. On that day. He's going to take us up. Believers who have passed away in Christ current believers. We're going to be changed in a moment. We're going to receive new bodies. All of our spirits are going to be healed. We are going to be separated from the presence of sin, and we're going to see him face to face. And then we are going to have something called the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to get to that. After the Bema seat, we're going to have the biggest celebration in the history of the universe, the wedding feast of the Lamb where Christ formally receives us, his church, and there is going to be a party like no other. And you are going to have the grandest time you have ever had. It's going to be like nothing you can imagine. There is going to be joy. Every tear, every pain is going to be gone, and we are going to be together forever with the Lord. And when that party is done, that's when we gather. That's the big white horse, and we're going to be behind him. You're going to have a horse. I don't know if anyone, you have anxiety about that now. But you're going to be riding a horse with perfection. You're going to come down and you're going to plant yourself on this planet ruling with Christ for a thousand years. And then Jesus is going to have a uh, white throne judgment. That's when all the rest of the human beings are going to be judged in the earth. And the earth is going to pass away. We're going to go off with him in eternity. That's our future. That's our destiny. But in that moment, and this is really important. In that moment where we are lifted up and we are with Jesus again, he wants to have a discussion, a conversation. Now, it's called the judgment seat of Christ, but I, I want to make this really clear. This is not judgment of sin, okay, because that's already been done. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, Jesus takes the penalty for your sin, and he remembers it no more. It's gone. So when we go up to see Jesus on this day, this is not about condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we are no, we are no longer appointed for wrath, but for salvation. This is not going to be about all the mistakes you made or the things that you did wrong. It's none of that. This is going to be a moment where... Jesus wants to sit down with you to talk about rewards. Rewards. He wants to sit down and talk to you about your ministry. What you've been doing in that time between the cross and the return. Now, when you read the New Testament, maybe you haven't noticed, but there's a lot of things in there about rewards. You know, and, and I love that Kelly talked about crowns. There's going to be crowns up there. In fact, there's going to be a crown party when we get there. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. 
you're thinking, hey, I don't need rewards. You know, I did this just for Jesus. Okay? I don't need Jesus to say thank you. But I want you to rethink this. Because this is Jesus' idea. Okay? It's Jesus that wants to do this. Jesus thinks this is so important that before the party begins, before he comes back to the planet, he wants to sit down with you to talk about all the work you've been doing. Now, I try to imagine what that's going to be like when we sit down with him and go over how we've been spending our time in a positive way. You know, I imagine standing before him. You know? Hey, John, remember when, when you were rejected for your past, but you prayed for those people anyway? I saw that. Right. Karen, remember when you were afraid to help people and open up, but for my sake you did it? I saw that. You remember when you were hurt, but you prayed for those folks anyway? I saw that. You remember all that time you gave up on your own to help somebody who needed you? I was there, and here it is. Here's what you built. All of you, when you persevered for my sake, I saw you. Now, how many of you have lived your life where nobody even noticed you? Where you were rejected, forgotten, Tried hard, nobody said anything to you, thankless, or well, welcome to heaven. Right? Welcome to Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees. And he is going to reward you for your perseverance. He's going to reward you for your faithfulness. He's going to give you these crowns, not these gold crowns, because that only goes for him. But these little crowns that are uh, in the old uh, New Testament days, you know, they had these crowns that were made of olive leaves. And they would put them on your head if you want to race these little crowns. And they would probably die, you know, a couple of days later. But Paul says, we're going to get not these perishable crowns, but imperishable crowns. And Jesus is going to place them on our heads. And he's going to say, well done. Well done. Come on in. Enter in. And before that big party begins, we're going to take those crowns, all billion plus of us, and we're going to lay them at his feet. Hallelujah. And all the glory that we receive from him, we're going to give back to him. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. Does what we do here matter? It matters to him. There's a link between what we do here and how we spend eternity. When you read the parable of the minas, now a mina is only a pound of silver. And the nobleman leaves a pound of silver with his servants. Now a pound of silver is probably three months wages. Nothing to a king. Why would he leave such a small amount? It can't be about making money. 
You know, the nobleman leaves the money with the servant, not to make money from him, but to test him, to see what his character is, to look at his faithfulness while he's gone, so that when he returns, he can know that his servant, where his heart is. What's Jesus going to find when he comes for us? He says to his servants, you've been faithful in the little things. I'm going to put you in charge of big things. The servant gets one pound of silver and he says, master, I have 10 pounds of silver for you. He says, wow, good and faithful servant. You gave me faith in the little things. I'm going to give you big things. For investing a pound of silver, he gets 10 cities. Amazing. We're going to be reigning with Christ. Can you even picture that? Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians because they weren't living up to the faithfulness that God would expect from his people. So he wrote this to them. In 1 Corinthians 6, 2, he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge the angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now, this is not about salvation. Because we're all going to heaven. If Jesus is your Savior, you're going to heaven. But are we faithful servants? Are we going to be worthy to judge? Are we going to live up to the faithfulness that God has left with us for the works that he's given us? In Revelation 20, John sees the end result, and he writes this, Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because their testimony about Jesus and because the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and who had not accepted the mark in their foreheads or their hands, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is us. This is being faithful in the little things. It's not about power. It's about love. You love God. He sees not by your words, but by your faithfulness. And as a reward, he brings you with him. Are we living too much in the comfort of the cross and not enough in the challenge of the coming? Do, is, what we do, is what we do here in this life, does it matter? You know, one of my favorite verses is from Psalm 37. It says, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that that's not just a, a worldly principle that God is giving us. God gives us the desires of our heart. And if worship team, you want to come up, I'll be closing with this. God gives us the desires of our heart. And the desires of our hearts are being expressed today in what we do, in how we live. Now, you may 
not care about managing 10 cities in, in eternity. But what is it you desire with the Lord? What is it you offer to the Lord for what he's offered you? Now, you can criticize James and John when they wanted to be on Jesus' left and Jesus' right, you know? But that's what I want. I hope that's what you want. I want to serve him so that I can be next to him, so I can be close to him. I want him to be my delight. You know, this, this psalm, what it's saying is, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. When you delight in him, he gives you more of him. That's what I want. I want to be close to him, not just now, but in eternity. When he comes back, I want to lay crowns at his feet. And then in eternity, I want to be right there with him. I don't want to be, you know, you got the great city. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be Jerusalem and then there'll be people outside the city. I want to be in the city with him. I don't want to live outside the city. I want to be close to him. But that means being faithful. And I fall short. But today is a new day. This is why God made tomorrow. For those of us that are falling short, tomorrow's a new day to be faithful. Because how we live matters, not just today, but in eternity. Let's not just go to heaven empty-handed. Let's bring a pile of crowns to lay at our Savior's feet. Our mission here is to prepare you to meet Jesus face to face on that day by saving the lost, equipping the found, and caring for the least. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.